Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler. Today we are attending a press junket to discuss the number six film on the 50 best rom-coms list, Notting Hill. I'm welcoming in first-time guest and longtime friend slash mentor, Robin Creesman. How are you doing? Hey, buddy. How you doing, Nathan? Man, it's great to be with you. Yeah, this is, this is great. So I, I, I've known Robin for a long time because he essentially gave me my first I always say my real job in the film and media production area when I was fresh out of college. Uh, I was in my hometown of Longview and he got me out into the world of DFW and heavy traffic and all that good stuff. And uh, I learned so much about the business, about editing, work ethic, all that. Unknownly at the time, I also learned what it's like to be a dad in a house full of girls. And <laughs> so you gave me a lot of experience uh, that way too. So it's funny to look back now to go like, wow, that was really training me for a lot of things. I didn't even know it. <laughs> it was great days, man. That was fun. And let me tell you, you were awesome. You were you were the best. Uh, a quick, quick story, just so everyone will know how diligent Nathan is and was. <laughs> uh, I put a, a request for uh, resumes out and I asked five questions for everyone to fill out the information. And the, the goal of that was to see how diligent these people were, how focused on details, if they would actually fill out the, the uh, questions. And out of about 15 resumes I got, Nathan was the only one that actually filled out all that information. So I didn't <laughs> care what he looked like, what he did, how good he was. I was going to hire that guy. No, yeah. Just kidding. Because his demo reels were awesome. And he was the best. We had a blast for a number of years. And uh, we welcomed into our family because we had a casita that we had our office in. And so he was around the house a lot and uh, he was family, still is. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, well, before we jump into this wonderful movie, I want people to hear a little bit about uh, about your background and what you do. And it's funny that we've talked about this movie and we'll talk about it later because I, I think it kind of maybe ties into some of your uh, past experience. Well, yeah, as you're in yours as well. Uh, long story short, uh, I've been around a long time, but I started out in music, played music full time uh, in a band in Dallas. And um, we happened to be very popular in Dallas, won the best rock band three years in a row, got on Star Search back in the day with Ed McMahon's TV show, lost $100,000 to Sawyer Brown, signed a record deal with USA Records. And then I went into the Christian music record business later as a marketing director because we never quite made it over the regional hump in the band, but we were played full time for five years. Uh, marketing director for our division of Word Records for three and a half years and moving into television. A mentor of mine brought me in like I brought Nathan in and said, I'm going to show you what the ropes teach you what you need to know. And, and I was with him for 17 years. And over those years of time, we had ended up having um, over 300 hours of broadcast television. Mostly it was in docu-reality series, um, a lot of music documentaries, and we interviewed about 78, 79 uh, real rock stars and telling stories of, of a series called Full Access on Tour, a behind the scenes look at country music artists on the road. We did documentaries that we, uh, one for Decca Records on the life of Buddy Holly that we uh, went and interviewed. There are 19 artists that are on this tribute album and all these various artists and band members that we got to interview them while they were recording their, their records. And um, I later on went and did a series called uh, Troubadour Texas on the CW network that was um, uh, 22 episode, one hour episodes and showcasing up and coming um, singer songwriters in Texas. And then some fishing shows, some travel shows, uh, did a lot of NASCAR. Uh, Jeff Gordon was um, uh, part of our little company. We had a side division with him and got to do his biography. He's the third winningest NASCAR driver in NASCAR. And then did the year in review for ESPN 
uh, for NASCAR three three years in in a row, and then the the first special for NBC, a behind the scenes that look at NASCAR. So, tons of athletes, and and um, Terry Bradshaw, we did a, a, a hosting show for us for the comedies, the comedians of the world. It's just a lot of fun, and getting to see behind the scenes, look at what those artists really are like, and those those stars were like. So that was very positive, and then um, after. PNN was sold, which we did a lot of country music stuff, and ESPN lost the contract of, of NASCAR to NBC, and um, our kind of bread and butter went away. We, I moved into um, my spec, second client after a Billy Graham special that I did, our docu reality series for um, on Sunrise of Christianity, talking about a kind of a tourism for the going to the Holy Lands, which was a side project. But uh, my first project on my own was for the International Speakers Bureau. Uh, to do an event for them and then they introduced to me the, all these professional speakers that they represented to get bookings and they needed video production and coaching from that and that's when i started my own little vision uh, division of my own company and nathan came in and joined me and oh my goodness how many speaker videos did we produce <laughs> a, a lot, lot <laughs> a lot a lot and then that led to me coaching speakers and then it led to me getting asked to come speak to chapters and then i got to speak for the national uh convention and they called me the Rockstar Speaker because I had an acronym, Rockstar, R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R, talking about success principles from the world of music and television. And that kicked off a whole career in doing that. And that's kind of what I've ended up doing, then jumping back and forth into TV a couple of times over the last 10 or 15 years. And so music, entertainment, and um, speaking has been pretty much um, my, my whole world. Yeah, the, the irony is, is that uh, we would take these hour-long speeches and try to package them and dwindle them down, you know, to like five to eight minutes. And now I'm doing a podcast that is uh, long form and you're not supposed to cut anything. So it's funny. It's funny how uh, things go in a circle and in, in a cycle. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, those were fun days, man. You were really, really good, buddy. Really oh, good. And oh, I still well. have speaker friends ask about you. Oh, well, Seriously. that's nice. Yeah, no, I still, I still follow them. So they probably, I probably see more of their stuff than they actually realize. So. True. And yeah. we've got 17 speakers in the hall of fame, speaker hall of fame. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that is bizarre. <laughs> well, uh, well, we'll jump into this movie. Uh, we'll grab our travel books and let's uh, venture into the land of Notting Hill. Anna Scott is the most famous actress on earth. Oh, she's great. I have loved her. I love her smile. I'd say she's the most beautiful woman on the planet. Will Thacker is the least successful shopkeeper in Notting Hill. Do you have any books by Dickens? For a travel book shop, uh, we only sell travel books. About the new John Grisham thriller. That's a novel too, isn't it? They're worlds apart. There's something wrong with this yogurt. It's mayonnaise. There we are then. But only a moment away from destiny. Notting Hill is a 1999 romantic comedy film directed by Roger Michelle. The screenplay was written by Richard Curtis. It stars Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant with Reese Ithans, Emma Chambers, Tim McErnie, Gina McKee, and Hugh Bonneville in supporting roles. Hopefully I pronounced all those <laughs> correctly. But the story is of a romance between a British bookseller, Hugh Grant, and a famous American actress played by Julia Roberts who happens to walk into the shop in London's Notting Hill district. Released on May 21st, 1999, Notting Hill was well-received by critics and became the highest-grossing British film of all time. 
At the 57th Golden Globe Awards, the film received three nominations, Best Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy, Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy, Actress for Roberts, and then Best Actor for Grant. It also earned two BAFTA nominations and won a British Comedy Award and a Brit Award for its soundtrack. So, Robin, I kind of laughed. It is funny. You know, I don't think we ever really taught movies so much because you your life, especially like, as you mentioned, uh, when I came to work for you, uh, you had two young children at the time, uh, a busy life, you know, you know, your own business working hard. I was just a single guy that would come in and work for you and then get, go home. And I guess watch a bunch of movies. So I remember <laughs> us basically talking a lot about American Idol and, uh, the show 24 with Keith or Sutherland. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, I, you just made a kind of reference before we started recording that, uh, this is a movie that you've seen a couple of times before. So it, it had it been a while since you had seen uh, this movie? Yes, it had. Um, you mentioned 1999 and um, our Emma, my youngest was about three years old at the time. Caroline, my oldest was about uh, six or six or seven at the time. So we didn't really see it initially. I don't think until probably 81, maybe. I mean, no, 2001 possibly, but we've seen it about three or four times over this duration of time. I I love the movie. It's a cute movie. I think, you know, both characters, all the whole ensemble cast were awesome. I love the idea of it. So we've been a fan of it. I liked it. And then we watched it, uh, my youngest daughter, Emma, and uh, she lives nearby us. She came over and we watched it uh, last week or two weeks ago, I think it was. And it's just a good fresh refresher. It's cute. Yeah, I, I would say maybe minus the music, and I'm sure I, I'm not a fashion guru, uh, and so I, I'm sure there's some, you know, outfits and the designs in there that have my age a little bit. But honestly, I feel like you could throw this movie on now, and you know, if someone didn't know it was from '99, I would say probably save maybe some of the songs in it. I mean, it really holds up. It it, it didn't feel like it was you know a movie that's over 20 years old. Absolutely. I mean, everything about it. I mean, it's first class from, you know, obviously with the award that it had, but even with the music, there are a lot of movies today that still go back to, you know, the classic of 80s and 70s and, you know, even 90s stuff that's that's relevant as far as stuff. But you're right. I think you've got quality actors and photography, everything about it. The scripting, the writing was very pithy and very um, uh, intriguing. And it was just um, very detailed in the minutiae of some of what they were doing, very descriptive. It, it was a very engaging movie. I, I think anyone would enjoy it uh, if you watched it today and you've never seen it before. Yeah. So um, I, I'm sure you've been watching all these romantic comedies along with my podcast and listening to every episode. But uh, I, I will every say day. every day. Yeah. Um, I, I was quite taken by this movie. I, I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it a couple of times, probably like early on in college. So, you know, cause when I was in college is kind of when d- DVDs came out or, or really starting to get popular. So that was something that was really common in dorm rooms and stuff like that. So uh, I, I feel like that's when I saw it the most. So it's been a while, but especially we're, we're not quite halfway through the list, but I mean, after we finished watching it, I was like, I really love this movie. I, um, and I didn't know actually where it, fell on the list. And when I saw that it was number six, I was like, Oh, okay. So it's held in pretty high esteem, but I, I just, re- I really loved it. I, I, I just kind of loved everything about this movie. I think the screenplay uh, really stands out and it's just kind of ironic uh, 
that the film that we covered before this is Four Weddings and a Funeral. And it just kind of worked out scheduling wise. I didn't mean to necessarily do uh, another Hugh Grant movie, but also Richard Curtis wrote the screenplay for this movie and Four Weddings. And so there's, I, especially seeing that Four Weddings, listen to that podcast, we kind of dissect it now. You can really see, see how he, Richard Curtis has grown as a screenplay uh writer uh with it from this movie and then also the performance of hugh grant because I, I think hugh grant probably gets uh pegged with you know playing somewhat the same kind of role as you know a real handsome guy but he's very uh he doesn't have confidence and he kind of bumbles and I, I think this performance is actually even though he still has those characteristics i think it's a little bit more reined in and some of his like work prior to this movie um but and i think also i just being a big movie fan kind of how it gives you a little you know behind the scenes peek at the industry and julia roberts you know being this huge celebrity and so i i think it's also a very very um i appreciated the patience of the movie and the scenes like i don't know if you picked up just and how the two talk to each other. I mean, they really like, there's a lot of pauses, not, not awkward, but it, it, they really do feel like real conversations. I totally agree. Authentic kept coming up as we were yes. talking about it. It's just very real and such a, um, uh, you know, when Julie Roberts says at the end of the movie, you know, uh, the fame is not a real, you know, I'm just a girl. That whole yeah. famous line. We yeah, won't yeah, get into yeah. that yet, but, but I mean, it, it shows true when she went to the, um, I don't want to jump ahead, but when the family, when the birthday party for his, uh, the daughter, I mean, the sister, yes, how unique that setting was compared to what her world was. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I thought she, that she was fascinated by that and uh, embraced it and she wanted it. But the writing to set all that up and the tone and the acting was just so likable. I mean, enjoyable, you know, it was just comforting, I guess. But I, I think they did a fantastic job in all aspects of it, from writing, creative, directing, casting, producing of it, editing. All, everything was just superb. Yeah, I, I really, and it's interesting, you can't help but watch it and kind of wonder how much of this character of Anna, played by Roberts, how much of it is actually Roberts herself. But, you know, in reading and like, they uh, reading the background of this movie, they wanted Grant and uh, Julia Roberts from the get-go, but uh, both of them talked about, you know, how much they connected to the script. But you can't help, even though she's maybe not exactly like Anna, you can't help that you're kind of getting this inside look to how she feels. Because, you know, at this point, she's been a star for a long time. Uh, yeah. but, and, but you can feel like some of probably being a celebrity for such a long time, how that's kind of caught it up to her as far as, you know, especially uh, where it's revealed that these, you know, pictures that she took when she was younger kind of, you know, she's basically starting to get a little uh, not cynical is not the right word, but, you know, uh, exhausted uh, by her lifestyle and probably, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of looking for other things in life. You know, it's the, the job sounds more stressful than uh, glamorous, I think for sure. Well, the scene in the hotel room when um, her boyfriend shows up. Yeah, that was played by Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Alec Baldwin, uh, who was a surprise to her that he was there. That showed the 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 um, inauthenticity of what that world is like, the arrogance of that world is like, com contrasting to where she had just spent the last twenty four hours 
uh, in the in the scene of the movie was such a contrast of Hollywood and Notting Hill. Yes. And, you know, you could just see that I think her heart longed for the reality and the authenticity of the simple life, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I couldn't help but wonder while watching it, too. I, I think you almost forget about it, but I think Hugh Grant does a really good job of, like, playing someone who's like completely foreign to this world as if Hugh Grant hasn't grown up <laughs> being an actor all his life. I mean, really, you know, I think he really did, especially, you know, towards the end where he goes on that movie set and he's like, Oh, these headphones, you know, <laughs> or whatever like that. And he does a really good job where you believe that he's not just as famous. very believable. <laughs> yeah. every, every part of it, every yeah. part of it was very believable. Oh yeah. I love um, the, I love the scene when, when, um, uh, she comes into the bookstore for the first time, and then the guy in the back room is kind of trying to lift a book. Yeah, yeah. Remember? <laughs> yes, yeah. The graciousness that he had with the supposed thief trying to steal a book. Yes. Um, was just wow, unheard of, you know. And then her response <laughs> to it, we'll get into, it, I guess. But there was a lot about it that I really liked. I, I kept coming up that word authentic and believable and enjoyable and um. Uh, very not over the top. Not right, over the top. Right. We we laughed about while watching it. Not only, um, you know, I would say sadly now it's hard for bookstores uh, to be successful in in today's world. But to have a bookstore that's completely niched and <laughs> to be a travel oh, bookstore, <laughs> maybe that's the thing that really outdates this movie uh, the most. <laughs> Well, just having a bookstore, just seeing a bookstore is almost <laughs> right, right. Like, yeah, uh, I, I, his, I can't his imagine. sister worked at a record store. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Well, I think a big thing, uh, and I'm you, you made hint of this uh scene where they go to his sister's birthday party, but I, I think especially seeing four weddings and a funeral before this movie, and what I liked so much about that movie. Uh, that also plays in this movie. It's just the supporting cast that's around Grant and Roberts. And so these group of friends that Grant's character, William Thacker has uh, is, I mean, is the extremely, I think uh, the strongest element of the story that makes it uh, so good is there, you know, uh, the different personalities in his group of uh, family and friends, but also, you know, they, they basically act as a surrogate, you know, at, for the audience, you know, that like yeah. how their reactions are, you know, we learn everything about in Julia Roberts character, Anna, uh, just through their reactions to her, you know, even these, uh, people who may not, you know, watch movies all the time or whatever, you know, how they just, you know, as soon as they see her recognize who she is, you know, except his uh, one brother (laughs) 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 talks to her like, you know, you know, just like a normal person. But um, I I just, the community that's behind Grant's character. I mean, that's, uh, they, I mean, almost, it sounds dumb to say without them in this movie, but I really think uh, what makes a successful rom-com is the supporting cast. And yes. I mean, without them in this movie, it, it would, uh, I wouldn't think it would be as successful. Oh, I agree. Some of the highlight moments in looking back over it were those scenes, uh, whether, you know, it's the first time they all meet, whether there are 
responding to the response that she gave him or he gave her when she asked about him at the inn and they're in the restaurant, that scene and how they went chasing down that toward the end. I won't get in, give away things, but um, oh, you can, you can give away things. I mean, this movie is, <laughs> we can okay. have a spoiler free discussion about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, there's a scene when they, when they first meet, it's hilarious because they, some of them recognize her and they freak out completely. And then they have dinner together and that whole, um, the last brownie. Well, at least I get the last brownie, right? Oh, I, think, yeah. I think you get it. Well, wait, what about me? I'm sorry. You think you deserve the brownie? <laughs> well, a shot at it, at least, huh? All right, well, you'll have to prove it. I mean, this is a very, very good brownie, and I, uh, I'm going to fight for it. Yes. You know, thing they do when they go in the round, tell them who's the worst, who's in the worst case, um, who's the biggest loser, I guess, and they get the, um, the, the, the last brownie. <laughs> That was kind of cool and unique. And then when um, when he rejects her toward the end and then uh, he's telling their friends about it in the restaurant later and they're all kind of giving him a little pump up, up that you're, yeah, you did the right thing. You did the right thing. And then all of a sudden they realize he tells them what she said. <laughs> yeah. um, tell them that line. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. Now I can't quite have the gravitas that Roberts has <laughs> delivering that lie. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. that magical? It yeah. really was. Yeah. And, and, and then he, he shares that with them and they all just kind of the facial expressions when they realize what the, he did and he realized what he did. And then his uh, roommate, who is the funniest character everywhere, who had, you know, Spike, yeah. him a deaf prick. <laughs> you know? yeah uh oh, yeah even the even the guy who's like the most clueless you know of his, all his friends is like immediately like what have you done <laughs> yeah 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 it, it was uh, cool and then that was the whole the whole ensemble how they ran off and you know one thing that I, that stood out to me grant's uh hugh grant's first girlfriend uh who left or did they broke up they were best friends and they he she ended up marrying her, their another best friend. So there are a three fan friends that love each other. So to this day, she had gotten into an, an accident and she's in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So her whole character's in a wheelchair. Well, as they're running away to go try to run down Julia Roberts toward the end of the movie, they're jumping into a car to go, you know, get to the hotel quick enough. And there's a scene where she's on the sidewalk and the husband says, where's, I forget her name. Where's so-and-so she's not going to go. Well, like crap, she's not going get yeah. the back seat. He jumps out of the car, runs over, picks her up out of the wheelchair, puts her in the car, and they run together. And then there's another scene in the house where they're all saying goodbyes and everyone's leaving. And um, Grant's going to spend the night on the couch. And then he, they're going to go to bed together, the husband and wife. And they go upstairs. Instead of her, did you see the the stairway? They've got the the, yeah. the, the chair that can, you know, electric chair. And says he picks her up and carries her up the stairs. Yes. We all were taken back by those two moments, how thoughtful that was and how special that was. And just another part of that camaraderie that I think Julia Roberts captured early on goes, I, I want this. I, I want mm -hmm. this. When, and when they're in the park and they read that you saw the, on the park bench, the caption where the husband and wife mm -hmm. had sat on that park bench for all those years. Yes. And um, she said the lines, people really do spend their life together or something like that. 
Yeah. I think she just saw the realness of their little world in Notting Hill compared to the the facade of what Hollywood represents, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're right. The ensemble casting was was brilliant. Yeah, uh, I'm going going off a little bit here, but you talking uh, just now kind of made me think about this. But you know, I would say you were definitely. Um, I mean, we all want to be successful in life, but you know, you talked a little bit about your background and your you know musical career. You were certainly pursuing fame of some sort. I mean, that's fair to say, right? And yeah, so, for sure, I, I'm yeah, be a rock star for sure. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and I think it's a little funny as you get older, not that I ever wanted this, but I remember one of my best friends, he always talked about how he like in our twenties wanted to be on the real world or whatever, you know, this like pursuit of fame. And then you get to like, at least the age I am now. And it's like, Oh, there's absolutely no way I would want to be, you know, famous or <laughs> that sort of thing. But could you, uh, I mean, I, I think you, a lot of maybe actresses like, you know, Julia Roberts, I, I really can't speak for them, nor do they need me on this podcast to do that. But I really liked how I, you could see how maybe early on where you pursue such things and you, she is in this world that she's gone so you know far away from this reality that William Thacker lives in. Um, I can I can see how when you get to a certain point where you're just like, um, yeah, you really create you know really crave those things. So all that to say, is there uh, is there a part of you that's um, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, losing a star search, but I mean, just your simpler life now, you know, is that, you know, do you, does that make sense where I'm going with? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I always wanted to, uh, I was playing music throughout growing up all of my years and I always wanted to be a rock star. I played with in my a band with my cousin, he and I, you know, started that and we, that's what, that was our joy. That's what we wanted, wanted to do. And we got really, really close. I mean, comparatively to a typical band, we had made it past that first or second level and trying to get into that, that, you know, top end. I remember when we got our record deal, our, 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 our label was telling us, okay, you guys have been, you know, quote unquote, the guys in Texas and the Southwest, but now Rick Springfield and Brian Adams and Loverboy, they're your competition. And that was a slap in the face going, Oh my gosh, this is reality. This mm -hmm. is, a completely different world and we got to open up for a lot of bands but we never got that full amount of fame uh yet i met my wife during those um latter part of the days before we really got all the big fame going on and, and had we had had we won star search sawyer brown who beat us they still played to this day they're still a band to this day mm -hmm. and uh i probably would not have met my wife had we won because i met her after that part and so uh, i know that that would have changed my life greatly for sure and i thought i knew a lot about the world of of a full-time musician because we did it for six years um until i started doing television shows about famous artists on the road and going out spending you know five days with trisha yearwood or travis Tritter george jones or getting to interview paul mccartney all these things that happened were to a point where wow this is amazingly cool but i wouldn't want to do this full time all the time i get to go home and see my wife and my kids and hang out with my dog you know and things like that so yeah i could see how that would be a really difficult thing um 
I'd love to change my paycheck in my bank account. With, <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> and my multiple houses all over, you know, across the world. But no, God had a plan and um, uh, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I love my family. Yeah. I love what, you know, God has brought into our life. And so, no, I wouldn't want to change anything. Yeah. Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> maybe some things here or there. Yeah. Um, well, uh, going into, uh, we're going to kind of, I think just kind of blend all these together in so much as, uh, sections, but you know, one of my favorite scenes and you were, you kind of just mentioned it, it, uh, and one of my favorite scenes is the press junket scene that uh, he first yes. goes to, and it has to fake being a report reporter for uh, <laughs> horses and hounds. Uh, but I was watching it and I was like, Oh my gosh, this movie is so good to talk to Robin about. I, I just hadn't even really thought about it. Uh, Cause I think probably if you haven't seen this movie in a long time, uh, Notting Hill, you know, we just mentioned the most famous quote. I mean, you really do remember more of the kind of the, just the love story really. But you, I think you forget about uh, all this, like kind of, I, I completely forgot about this press junket scene, yes. uh, which it really, it, it plays out a whole, you know, it's pretty long, you know? And yeah. uh, anyway, it just, I love that scene. It's just so, so funny, but you were kind of, could you kind of connect with it a little bit, you know, as you mentioned, you've interviewed a lot of people in your life. You've interviewed a lot of celebrities, but I, I connected, I have not interviewed as many people as you have, but I have, I totally connected with, uh, maybe not quite not seeing the movie he's asking questions about, but just, uh, kind of stumbling when you don't uh, quite know what question to, to ask. I don't know if you could relate to that scene at all. Well, I can relate to that scene in a different way. I mean, um, uh... Uh, I wrote the the whole ideas of our show, so I was very, very, very knowledgeable about everything. But my associate, my executive producer, my mentor, who taught me everything I know, we were the co-interviewers, and so I would feed Bill uh, the the information prior to us. You know, I mean, we're on the plane going, you know, to meet with the team, and we would be on the road with these acts during full access on tour. Um, we would be on the road with the act for three days and cameras were rolling virtually 24 seven. And it was a docu reality series. So um, we would have a prime interview with the artist and then multiple se secondary interviews along the way. But I'm feeding Bill all of the content and all the details. And I have scripts and so forth and we're bantering back and forth, but I could sometimes see him going down a lane that, was not really <laughs> correct if so you know to the point and um cameras are rolling all the time so i would jump in a little bit and, and kind of um bring something up and it would kind of peak his memory and he was so sharp he would jump right back in uh in on it but the funny thing about this with grant hugh i mean hugh grant is that um this junket is he doesn't know he's coming to this this interview <laughs> it, it's julie roberts is the star of a movie and all these writers come together and they get like five minutes with the star and they parade them through the, the, the time together quickly. So everyone can get a soundbite from them. And he's thinking that she just wants to see him after having a, a kind of a semi fallout uh, or maybe the first meeting um, uh, a few days ago. And so he's surprised by it. And so he gets there and he realizes there's a guy walking down the hall with him and wondering why he's walking down the hall of his hotel, you know, and he goes, gets in there and he realizes, okay, this is an interview and I don't know anything about it. And he didn't see the movie. They were going to ask about the movie and he gets in there and he, they, they say, okay, so what magazine are you with? 
he has no idea. The guy had just mentioned some, you know, famous movie magazine, and he sees a movie. I mean, a uh, uh, magazine over in the little bin where they held, had all the magazines and said horse and hounds. So he just says, uh, "I'm with horse and hounds." <laughs> okay, come on in. And he gets in there, and he knows nothing about it. So he's asking, you know, well, did you have any horses in your movie? And and what were those scenes like? Well, no, we really didn't because, well, as you know, it was a space movie. <laughs> oh, that's, yes, yes. Uh, but would you have had one <laughs> if you were not in the space or something? But, yeah, it was totally clueless. So I haven't been that bad, but it's been it's been close a couple of times. Yeah. I, what I liked about that scene was, um, you know, we get the idea and, you know, he does get to see Anna and they get to talk a little bit before he's ushered off into these other rooms. And I feel like uh, there's something in me that thinks that movies now would go on to another scene. But the fact that they play out these, you know, we spend some time as he essentially spends the day there. And I liked that, you know, uh, not that this movie's necessarily a realistic story, but it feels like it could be realistic. And I think it's because of these moments where I think realistically, if he was ushered in like that, he would literally be stuck there all day. And, uh, and they make the most out of these moments. It's Those so, junkets so, are actually real. That's how they really do it. But the yeah. fact you're to your point, the fact that they kept him in that line going to another, you know, interview and another interview, and he didn't see the movie at all. And he's totally clueless. That's a great question. Great point. I wonder why they did that because I remember the second time that I watched it, um, or the most recent time I watched it was I thought it was over, but it was a little, little not awkward. But I think maybe the point was just to show him how out of touch mm -hmm. he yes. is to what Hollywood is. He's a bookstore owner in a little, you know, village of Notting Hill in London, yeah. you know, so maybe that was the point. But you, that's a good observation because. It really didn't need to be in there unless you just wanted to cement the, you know, oddity of what he, why he's in her world. Yeah. You know? And, and, and also I think it really pays off almost, you know, her character. I mean, and they don't say it. I think a lot, uh, a lot that pays off in this movie or the things that aren't said is that I think, you know, she, the interest maybe clicks more to the fact that she realizes like he stuck around that much all day and i really appreciate her performance because um in this movie because the way she's slowly becomes more vulnerable throughout the film but i love how uh she has the gravitas of you know being this hollywood star and it's always kind of funny because it is julia roberts but you know for the uh, certainly most of the first half of this film you know she plays just on her her celebrity she doesn't say much you know, when she walks yeah. into the room, she always kind of lets other people kind of stumble over her. Like she just, she just has command of the room. And yeah. I really think, you know, you really feel that, uh, totally. Um, so, uh, I love, I love one, one, uh, line in that set in that section. Um, you know, the whole surreal, uh, but nice comment that happened early yes. on and yeah, yeah, yeah. Things. that was cool. But in the, um, in the interview, uh with in the junk in the junk junket uh one of the the actually her producer i think or handler um it kind of steps in and out of the room several times and gives them a little moment of of, of 
of intimacy, of, of privacy. And um, uh, she's asking him a question about, I, I may be able to stay over a day or so. Um, I wonder, you know, if that would be possible to see you or something, something to that effect. But I wrote down the line that I love. I forgot how it was set up. He's, she said, uh, asked him a question. So what do you think about all of this? And he said something to the point that it's like a dream. And mm -hmm. um, I, 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 uh, he goes, well, if you were in this dream, what would you do next? And I wrote it down. He goes, well, if it was a dream and, and I would could do this because it is a dream, I would change my personality. And then I'd walk over to the girl and I would kiss the girl. Mm -hmm. And then the guy walks, the you know, the, the handler walks in and kind of interrupts the moment and then walks back out. And maybe there's a maybe there's a cut there where I would walk over and I don't remember if they cut there and he came in and then she, he responded, kissed the girl afterwards or something. But that was a that was a tender moment. That was that was a mm -hmm. a cool little scene, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. And you you mentioned it. Just the whole the sister's birthday party scene. I mean that that scene how it all plays out and the emotional ups and downs, both touching moments and the humor, uh, the brownie, just amazing. Just, it's, it's so, so good. And I think also just the time where they, you know, she's hiding out, uh, in his flat. Um, and those scenes that they have the, you know, how they, you know, she's reading lines to him and, uh, just those moments they have and how it just comes, com you know, completely crashing down, uh, but still yeah. saying, you know, still keeping the humor in mind, you know, with his roommate Spike who <laughs> poses for the camera and his, <laughs> and his underwear. So, so good. Movie musings. I know you pretty well. So, um, a lot of these, certainly this first one is kind of a setup for you, but Robin, okay. I was going to ask you, uh, who, who is, who's the most famous person you've met? Nathan Chandler. Yeah, right. Yeah. Host of the podcast. No, no, you, you uh, mentioned it. You mentioned it already, but I just want to let you know. I, I tell, I tell your story to other people all the time about who I uh, hope is your uh, number one. Yeah, it's it's Paul McCartney. Yeah, no amazing. Doubt. No doubt, it was a an incredible experience in so 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 many ways. Um, let me tell the story or just answer that question. Oh, uh, what, what's a, a a quick snippet of it? Yeah, no, no, don't tell don't tell the whole story. But I want somebody to book you for a speaking gig uh, to actually okay. hear the whole story. But overall, like all the essentially all the good stories you hear about him, it, you can vouch for that. One hundred percent. I just a quick. I, I you can't you can't deny that Paul McCartney is a rock star. He's Sir Paul McCartney. He's one of the wealthiest men in the world. He's one of the best songwriters. He's got sold more albums, blah, blah, blah. He's a rock star. But we had an opportunity to experience uh, an interview with him. And while we were doing this documentary on the life of Buddy Holly, and he, uh, the crickets, he hosts us a big special every year in September in London uh, and a celebration for, for Buddy Holly. And all these rockers come over. So we got to interview him and spend time with him. He was so nice and so gracious to our team. He was um, spent, you know, typically in, in, in the world of, inter of uh, uh, interviewing celebrities, you get this kind of junket, junket kind of situation where you go and you got five minutes with someone and that's it. Well, in our world, we were doing docu-reality series. So we were with the artists, you know, for days on end. And I thought with Paul McCartney, we'd get five minutes. Got a quick little touch thing because 
he was sponsoring the Buddy Holly event or doing this documentary on Buddy Holly. And yet he sat down and um, was so gracious. I entered, he asked me to introduce the team to him. I did. I gave a little bit of background about each guy and he remembered it and he repeated it back to them. And he was so fun and, and um, gracious. And um, I was nervous. You can tell I talk fast. He calmed me down. He was asking me, okay, Robin, tell me about this this uh, thing you're doing with Buddy Holly, the special. Tell me what you're doing. And I did. And he was answering all these questions. It was just amazing. And we got invited back to go hang out with him backstage after the show that night. And it was just so impressive how he made it about us. I'm one that always says, put others first, make it about them. Um, and my dad used to tell me, you do that enough times and you'll never need a friend when you're in need because mm -hmm. you'll have friends. And so he ingratiated himself so much to us. He was like, wow, a real true rock star in every sense of the word. So yeah, I'm a major Paul McCartney fan, music and personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I can't remember if uh, I was working with you when this happened, but I got to essentially it wasn't a press junket like in this movie where you get ushered to room to room to room, but I got an opportunity to meet and I, I say interview uh, very loosely. Jason Schwartzman, his actor, he he's been in a lot of Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson films, but um, I got this opportunity. Uh, uh, very, very nice. My friend, Matt Mungle, who's been on the show before he, he allowed me this opportunity, but it, it was me and three other really like legit reporters. <laughs> Like I, I was sitting there going like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm here really. <laughs> and uh, we meet Jason. Oh, yeah. We meet Jason Schwartzman out in this courtyard. He was a little late, but like so, so nice, like very apologetic. And um, we probably sat there with him for about an hour. And honestly, I didn't say a word. I just listened the whole time. Cause, but, but I got one question in and I felt like it was a good question and he answered it. And I was like, all right, I'm good. Yeah, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah. But um, so I, I haven't had as many brushes uh, with famous people as you have, but I always like to tell that story because he was, he was a extremely tremendously uh, nice guy. So um, that's cool. He, yeah. That's um, cool. So, uh, in this movie, a lot kind of center around centers around this uh, piece of artwork that uh, William Thatcher has in his living room. Uh, and it comes back to play later uh, when she gives him a gift. And so I was wondering, do, do you have a favorite artist or a work of art that you really appreciate or cherish? It may not be from a favorite artist or a, a famous artist. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I did a, a documentary for Billy Graham. Uh, on the sunrise of Christianity. So I got to go to the Holy Land several uh, for one time with him. And I've been back twice before. Uh, we have, we've got some icons that uh, represent the life of Christ direct from the Holy Lands and some monasteries that we got to go visit during that period of time. Amazing experience, amazing uh, time. And to understand the reality of, of Christianity from what we see in contemporary just churches today and everything else. Uh, and we have some really beautiful iconography that Elizabeth particularly has really uh, a, an eye for that we, we love and we have them in our house and they're, they're stunning. Mm -hmm. But from um, a regular, you know, um, art, not really. I mean, we just got a lot of family photos and I've got a, some guitar pictures and stuff hanging on the wall. But um, uh 
the iconography, I think, is probably the the most things of, of these these. I mean, stunningly beautiful uh, icons, and just getting to go to so many of these locations in the Holy Lands and to see the majesty of what they've done. I mean, it's it's stunning. I mean, it's it's amazing. But no, not a, that I have a piece that I would sell or that I would like. Gosh, come look at this beautiful thing. Except these icons. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. I've been very fortunate to have a lot of amazing artists uh, in my family. So uh, my, my dad, and they're all like different styles. And so we have artwork for my dad, for my sister, for my mother-in-law. And so, uh, yeah, we're very fortunate um, <laughs> to have you know to have we get to display a lot of those probably so much so we're we're running out of a uh, wall space <laughs> around here in my oh. house. But cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, a, a little less uh, serious question. <laughs> um, have you ever had a bad roommate before? Um, and uh, uh, hopefully Elizabeth is not your uh, answer. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I really haven't. Um, I had a weird roommate, uh, which actually was a, turned out to be a good thing for me. My freshman year at Baylor, we both went to Baylor, lived in Penland Hall. And um, this what floor guy did you hurt- live on? Uh, third floor. Oh, okay. Okay. That was just third floor. Yeah. Um, Herb was my roommate. He was from um, uh, East Texas and we had a really good corner of our, 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 you know, hall down there. And for some reason we all, a bunch of us, they said, let's put some people in, in office. So we ran for president, vice president and secretary treasurer in our little area of our, our wing. And he got president. I got vice president and the guy, Tim Brown across the hall got secretary treasurer. So we kind of, our little end of the corner ran the freshman year that year, but Herb transferred uh, in the middle of the semester, the next semester and went to A&M. So I became the president and we had an empty spot as vice president. So that was the weirdest kind of thing that he had this position. Not that it meant anything. It didn't mean <laughs> Billy squad. We didn't do anything and we just go to some meetings, but, um, the guy's the president of the freshman class and he leaves in the middle of the semester. He was kind of an oddball, <laughs> but no, I don't remember anybody else that was weird or bad. Yeah. Uh, Nothing I, I, like this guy in the movie. Golly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had more of a roommate situation than necessarily the personalities, but my sophomore year, uh, I lived with three other guys. We lived in a two bedroom apartment and thankfully the guy I share a room with, we were great. I was also great with the other two guys, um, but those two other guys that shared a room despised each other, hated oh. each other. And so, so much so that one of them refused to be in the same room. So he would always sleep downstairs on the couch of our living room. So like, and he, he, uh, I think he decided to take an off semester. So he worked, he worked like late at night. So he was like an all night guy, sleep all day type of person. And so it always just messed with your vibe. Cause you walk into your main living room sure. area and he's asleep on the, <laughs> the couch, really? but, uh, Oh, it was horrible. It was just the, you know, the way they wouldn't talk to each other and then, you know, dishes weren't ever done. Oh, it was, it, it was a mess. So anyway, it's almost like I would, I would, uh, I, I would take spike, I think over, um, <laughs> over that Boy, situation. I was just about to ask you. I was just about to ask you. Would you live with Spike? You would live with him? Oh my well, goodness! Well, you know, I I, I don't know. Rom com rankings.
so the first category I have is the romantic chemistry between the lead. So what what is your ranking between the chemistry between Grant and Roberts here? Because they were conflicting a lot of ways, you think maybe they don't have chemistry. Uh, but obviously, she was taken back by him. Obviously, he knew who she was when she walked into, into the bookstore. He was, he was, but very calm and very cool. Um, explain how you mean that. Well, uh, I mean, just, you look at, I mean, it just couples, you know, you look at them and you're like, oh, you know, they have it. I would say even maybe early, like when people are, you know, even dating early on in their stages, like, it's just like, I, I know some of the best friends in my life when they finally met the person that they ended up marrying. I mean, most of them, I would say when I saw them, I was like, yep, that's, that's the, per that's the person for them. So just, uh, I mean, well, you have to, you have to have good chemistry between the actors for a romantic comedy to be successful. Yeah. Uh, what happened at the end, them coming together definitely says that they've got great chemistry. Definitely. They were, they were soulmates at that point in my mind. And yeah. that scene in the park where you see the first time they break into the park and they on the bench, they see that, that, uh, emblem there where a husband and wife sat next to her. He, the, mm. the wife sat there and the husband sat there all these years. They passed away and that's their dedicated bench. And then at the end, that's where they end up, you know? Yeah. He's reading a book. She's, you know, you know, laying back or something. And, and that was, that was their place. So the chemistry with I the, thought was. With the baby bump. With the baby bump. Yes. Right, yes. right, so yeah. That, that seemed in it for me in that, in, that, in that idea. So I thought they were great. I thought they would be a five. Okay, good. Okay. I I didn't know you seemed a little shaky there. So I, you know, I would say that, you know, if you hadn't seen this movie and you just take the image of Julia Roberts and you take the image of Hugh Grant, they're probably not people that you would put together. Um, but I think in this movie, it just works tremendously. And I, and I made reference to it, but the whole scene where they just hanging out in his flat and, you know, because they, they, they start getting to this level of comfort that you can only truly get with your soulmate. And so, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, I, I give it, uh, I give them five hearts as well. Uh, I don't think this, we've kind of touched on this a lot, but the best friend aspect, um, kind of, as I talked about earlier with Richard Curtis films, he, he, he's known for kind of building these huge supporting cast of characters. So I think a lot of people fall into this role. Uh, you know, the person that, you know, uh, solo person or a group of friends that supports the main protagonist through this romantic journey. But, uh, what, what do you get this uh, group of fellows here and madams, I guess. <laughs> uh, in this movie, this particular movie. Yes. Oh, definitely a five. Yeah. Yeah. Me as well. Yeah. I think we touched on that a lot. I don't think we have to get further into this, but I did find this uh, quote from the director, which I, I don't know the details, but I saw that he actually passed away uh, in 2021, but uh, Roger Michelle, he said uh, the, the casting of these characters, uh, Will's friends were, was rather like assembling a family. He explained that when you're casting a cable of friends, you have to cast a balance of qualities of types and of sensibilities. They were the jigsaw that had to be put together all in one go. And I think we've got a very good variety of people who can realistically still live in the same world. I, I mean, that quote, yeah, it just perfectly perfect. sums that jigsaw. up. Yeah. The jigsaw, well, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. The third component is the soundtrack. I, I, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the soundtrack or not. 
No, I haven't. Um, uh, I liked what I hear. I didn't nothing. I didn't think of this movie as a soundtrack movie. Okay. Like yeah. Footloose or Dirty Dancing or you oh, know. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Pop Gun or anything like that. But I enjoyed it. I don't. I can't. Re I can't even think about it. Why not? Really. Yeah. Um, so uh, I I do think so. The, kind of the I would say the big. Oh, I, song. I, I tell you what I do. Uh, ain't no sunshine when you're gone. I love yes. that. Ain't so ain't sunshine. Yeah. Um, I love that that scene when the transition from season to season yes. to season to season. That was a very great representation of time. That's a very common way of doing that. But yeah. um, ain't no sunshine was playing in the background, and you're seeing him, you know, stroll through the marketplace. That was a real good use of, of music. I can't remember uh, other pieces necessarily, but I do remember that one. Yeah. So we listened to the soundtrack kind of after the movie, but uh, it plays big during the chase and scene towards the end. But give me some loving by the Spencer Davis. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. plays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, there's an Elvis Costello song at the beginning uh, called She. Um, yeah. But but in pure like late 90s uh, form, there's also a song by 98 Degrees on this <laughs> on this, you know, Nick Lachey's <laughs> boy band. Um, Shania yes. Twain. Shania Twain has a song on this. So, um, and famously, uh, the song, when you say nothing at all is kind of the standout. And that's the song that plays when they, uh, go into that you're garden right. for the first time and hop the fence, yeah. hop the fence. And if you're, uh, like Whitney and I, that, that song, uh, I think it, that song means something to our generation. Uh, just, it was like the ultimate slow dance song, like in, like in college and stuff like that. It's uh Ronan. Oh, the words of that and the intent of that is so good. I'm comfortable with you no matter what. When you say nothing at all, it's just it's just good. Yeah, it's good. But as we were just starting to dissect those lyrics, when he was like, it's kind of rude if you think about it. Oh, really? <laughs> just yeah. like, yeah, sh no, I love you when you're not talking. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I, I gave it... Uh, we we listened to it there are some like tremendous standouts uh on the soundtrack ain't no sunshine like as you mentioned uh, also with how it's using the scene like amazing song i've always loved that so the soundtrack has some really good songs but there's a couple in there that kind of like this 98 degree song even though some people will recognize it it's kind of got some eh, okay songs as well so i gave it three and a half but i don't know if you can give it a fair rating because you you didn't yeah i really i really can't i mean i'll okay. go with you three and a half because i okay, couldn't remember great. that so that says a lot i guess in some ways yes i was captivated captivated more with the the storyline and their 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 acting versus the music the ain't no sunshine and really ones that stands out the most and that was great how they did that so i'll give it a three three and a half as well okay awesome uh fourth category is the chasing or the declaration of love uh i i'll go ahead and say I, I gave this five hearts uh winnie and i we absolutely love this for some reason i i, I mean as it played out i started to remember remember it but you mentioned it like how they hop in the car and then he goes and gets his wife to make sure she's with them and then how they go into the hotel lobby and that the the, the front desk guy kind of gives them the hint to you know <laughs> where they're at and uh the music and also just the end scene with, you know, now we're not at this like individual room, right? Where like, as in the most public space you can get, I love that it's yeah. a callback to this press junket scene, you know, where it was these individual rooms. Now we're being, we're in this huge hotel ballroom, you know, and he's got to ask these questions in front of her. 
and how it just all you know calls back to one another. I yeah. I, I absolutely love it. So I, I gave it five hearts. I, I don't know if you felt as strongly as I did. I would 100% agree to that. And if you noticed the nuance, the nuance of their eye contact uh -huh. at the very, very, very end, when, when she first saw him after the last question and she saw him and she lit up and he asked the question that played off the other reporter's question. And then um, she was like, you know, interested. So I, he's not here to bash me. He's here to talk to me. And then she reaches over to the her handler and says to ask that question again. Just their connection. When I, I think it was when he asked her the question, would you... Um, would you uh, reconsider your answer to Mr. Thacker or whatever his last name is? And he kind of lifted his eyebrows, you know, a little <laughs> bit like that and, and kind of acknowledged like, yes. And then when she hesitated and then said, yes, I got it. I got chills. It was yes. just one of those moments where, oh my gosh, this is working. So yeah, yeah. that for sure. And you cannot not go to the main line in my mind. You know, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy yeah. asking him to love me, you know, yeah. that moment. And then when he repeated that moment mm -hmm. in the restaurant with the friends. Yes. I mean, I know she's an actress and all that, so she can deliver a line. But um, she said she might be as famous as it can be, but also that she was just a girl standing in front of a boy. Asking him to love her. And then you see the expression of all the people like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that was heavy. To somebody be that vulnerable, someone of her stature to be that vulnerable to you, Mr. Low Life Bookstore owner guy that we love to death, but oh my gosh, and you said no. And then they all reveal, go, oh, you screwed up. So that's when the chase scene happens and it's it's so refreshing but those those moments were iconic in my mind. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh the last category we usually don't dissect it too much but the rewatchability factor of this movie uh how how do you rank that? Proven it. I've watched it four or five times. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, five. I, yeah, I give it five hearts as well. Uh, almost to the fact us rewatching it, in, you know, now I was like, oh my gosh, it's been way too long since I've seen this movie. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely one. Uh, uh, Hallie sat down and watched this uh, movie with us, and she she really liked it a lot. And you can tell kind of when she's into it or when yeah. she's not, and she she really liked it a lot. Recommendations. Is there anything you are watching or listening to or reading that you, you've been telling other people about? Uh, just, you know, television, you mentioned that earlier, uh, 24, I love 24, always do. I've watched it several times. I've uh, watched West Wing several times, uh, the whole series. If you haven't watched any of those things, um, it, they're, they're brilliant. Uh, Aaron, Stor uh, Aaron Sorkin is the writer behind that. He's incredible. Um, and I loved the, the uh, from a technical standpoint, the steady cam movement of all the, the camera action, all the character action, the pithy conversation. It's just constant, constant, constant. Well, West Wing does that perfectly. Uh, 24 did that perfectly. There's um, uh, a show Jeff Daniels uh, uh, was on the newsroom. Yeah. Did you ever see the newsroom? Uh, I, uh, I, I saw most of the first season. 
I loved that. Yeah. I loved that show a, a lot. Um, and Emma and I watched my youngest daughter. We watched Castle and uh, and The Rookie. Okay. We have followed, um, what's his name, uh, in, in that. And, and we love both of those. And the, the most recent thing I've watched, and I don't watch a lot of television anymore. I just watch next Netflix a couple of times. Yeah. Um, is Blacklist. Did you ever see Blacklist? Uh, no, I didn't. It's a, a, a espionage type of yeah. uh, type of show, and um, I, I like that. It, it gets you going pretty pretty strong. It's 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 kind of relevant to a lot of the crap that's going on in our world today about all these private divisions of of, of security and police, and um, it's 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 interesting, but it gets pretty dark sometimes. So yeah, <laughs> not necessarily a family family viewing. <laughs> a castle and uh, the rookie are really good, and. If you can uh, watch the newsroom, that yeah. would be great. And did you ever see um, uh, Sunset Strip? Uh, what is it? 66 yeah, yeah. Sunset Strip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a play on Saturday Night Live. That was a great show as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron Sorkin, he, he's the man. <laughs> so, he's uh, brilliant, man. I, I love everything he's done. Yeah. Uh, what did he do? The comedy sports sports night or something as well? Yeah, sports night. Yeah, sports nights. Yeah amazing yeah um so for my recommendation uh I, I was a little late on the train to this one but i, I didn't catch it in theater but it's one of the more successful films uh from this year but it just came out on prime video but i watched creed 3. um have you seen any of the creed movies with michael b jordan no i saw the you know the rocky stuff but not creed yeah so the the first one is really really good i i didn't see the second one um, and so, but I had heard a lot of good things about this third one, uh, this third installment. And so, uh, I watched it. I would say that you, you, I didn't feel like not seeing the second one. I, it kind of fills in the gap. So I feel like if we're not super familiar, but, um, you know, I wouldn't say the best movie ever, but it's, it's, it's pretty entertaining and it's probably been really? a while. Yeah. It's probably been a while since I've seen, uh, a good sports film in a while for what I'm, I'm sure there's some out there or whatever. Um, Michael B. Jordan who plays uh, Creed also, he directed uh, this movie and he does a, he does a really good job and there's some really cool things that they do, especially in the boxing scenes that are really good. It's got some sports cliches. Like there's not, you know, like most Rocky films, right? You, you, you know where yep. it's going <laughs> a lot of the time, yep. but um, yep. anyway, it's fun, good. Though. Yeah, and if you have Prime Video, you know, it's a kind of a one of the bigger movies from this year. You can now, you know, watch it for free. So that's my recommendation. Well, at the time of this recording, uh, I'm actually doing this a little bit early, so I, I don't quite know what we'll cover next, but make sure you're following all our social media accounts uh, where we'll, we make announcements about our upcoming shows and schedule. As always, check out moviesorlife.com for episode reviews and more. If you love this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. This really helps us with finding new listeners. And uh, Robin, thanks again for coming onto the podcast. And I, I kind of like that I made you a little uncomfortable making you talk about uh, a movie. And <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back and kind of pick my brain a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if anything, I feel like I provided uh, your family with a good uh, viewing experience. So I just brought you guys closer together, I think. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks again to everybody for listening and good luck on getting the last brownie. <laughs> <laughs>